I made one last year with some ridiculously hot peppers. I called it weapons grade hot sauce. And uh, I'd say 50% of the comments are, you know, that, that people are, are feeling the pain while they're watching me try this sauce. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of suggestive sort of psychology going on there because people are saying their eyes start burning. And then the other 50% are saying, why would you make a hot sauce that's too hot to eat? And it's like, because you can. That was Sean, a.k.a. The Chili Chump, who joins us on the podcast today. Um, we had a really, really good chat about all things chili, and anyone that knows me knows I love to talk about all things chili. So it was really interesting to speak to him. Um, he had a wealth of knowledge of, of chili-related subjects, and we also get onto a bit of food and things like that. So really great to, to chat to him. I'm sure you enjoyed the podcast. Now... I join you in the greenhouse where we set up the the stands for all the shows and we're heading to our last show of the year, uh, which is Hampton Court. So anyone that's in the area of Hampton Court um, or is going to the show, make sure you come and give us a... uh, say hello to us and and come and have a look at the stand. I'm looking at it now full of loads and loads of colour and there's a huge amount of insects, bees, butterflies, moths and even some insects I don't don't recognise crawling all over the stand at which we set up. Um, it's looking really, really good. Um, a great time to exhibit herbs, um, especially when we've got things like scented geraniums, achilles, yarrows um, and all the chilies that are in fruit and, and all the plants are in flower. Um, so yeah really really pleased with the stand we're setting it up this Saturday Um, so next week uh, hopefully if we manage to get the medal in time from the RHS I'll tell you what we got Um, so yeah uh, without further ado let's start the podcast hi you're listening to plants and me the podcast that is all about plants gardening and the people who are passionate about them with your host Alan Lodge So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you, Alan. It's good to be here. Yeah, really nice of you to join us. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in plants. Well, it's it's quite interesting. The uh, the, the chili plants I got uh, quite uh, excited about back in about 2006 because the uh, the butchalokia or the ghost pepper mm-hmm. was uh, suddenly getting headlines and I think a lot of people actually got into chilies around about that time. It really sparked off quite a craze with people trying to grow the world's hottest chili and uh, that's when I properly got into it in earnest Um, but before that as well I was growing peppers back in my home country of South Africa but over there it's a little bit easier than doing it here in the Mm -hmm. UK over there you just put a seed in the ground and it does its thing you get some peppers at the end of the end of the year but uh, yeah it's a little bit more work but it is rewarding and uh, I really enjoy doing it so I started doing in 2006 mainly for the butchalokia i was growing a few others as well and i was trying to combine my love of technology as well with what i was doing and uh, setting up a a grow room to to grow all my my peppers so i had some automation going on in there and that's sort of uh, where my channel came about from as well so back in 2006 i was doing that and uh, had a bit of a break for a few years as i was moving houses and now i'm doing it pretty much it feels like full time but I have quite a large greenhouse which I automate and uh, grow quite a few more peppers than just the butcher like yeah so you I mean you started off uh, being interested in with 
for a lot of people is as hot as and probably hotter than what they can stand has your taste changed over time I've always liked the hot food. We've always, uh, in my family, always challenged each other to <laughs> see how hot we can get things. Um, but yeah, when 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 the super hot started coming out, like the butcher loki, that just changed the game. That that's not that's not playing around anymore. Yeah, um, you know, a, a hot curry versus uh, a butcher loki is, is is two very different things. And uh, my tastes have changed a bit. I've, I'm able to handle it a bit more. A um, bit of a, a secret here, which which my my viewers on my channel might not know, but uh, I never actually tried a butcherlokia back when I was growing them. <laughs> I was growing them just because I loved the look of them. I liked the challenge of them. They were quite difficult to grow at the time. They were a bit of a a mystery to a lot of people, and I was actually selling the seeds. So my cousin did give it a go. My brother gave it a go. Um, I saw the pain on their faces, so I uh, I stayed away from it. <laughs> but but now, of course, uh, as as folk can see on my channel, I'm eating even hotter peppers and uh, feeling the pain <laughs> as a result. And um, South Africa, where, where you're from, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily associate with hot food. Is, is that something that's liked a lot? You'd be surprised, actually. Uh, Durban is one of those places that is pretty world famous for its curries and uh, for some of its hot sauces and things like that. Um, I remember a statistic, I don't know if it's still the same case now, but uh, apparently Durban had the biggest population of Indian people uh, outside of India yeah. uh, in the world. So I don't know whether that's still the case, but um, there's some amazing curries out there and um, and some of the some of the spice. But but South Africa itself actually it, it's quite contentious on my channel. I, I do I do a few sauce videos and one of them is around the Nando's hot sauces. Mm -hmm. And I do make a, a claim in the video that Nando's was originally started in South Africa and I get lots of people arguing about that, but in fact it was. It was started in South Africa. It was, yeah. And yeah, it's a it's not necessarily a South African dish. But Nando's itself uh, is South African, so it comes from Portuguese uh, sort of background. The the peri peri peppers, the peri peri sauces. But in South Africa, peri peri chicken is a staple on a lot of uh, uh, a lot of barbecues on the weekends. Oh, yeah, funny enough, I I'd actually heard heard that fact a few times, but uh, from different avenues. Uh, from I, I believe I read it in a business book somewhere. Yeah, because uh, obviously it's a very successful chain. Um, so yeah, it, you wouldn't necessarily look at it and think it would be South African. <laughs> no, not at all. And unless, well, I, I recognise it. If you if you if you go in there, a lot of the um, uh, what do you call it the uh, the graphics and mm. that sort of thing that they have inside the, the inside the restaurant itself uh, are quite African inspired and. Uh, the actual backstory, it's quite an interesting business that was run, I think, by two folk uh, that had come across some recipes, I think, in Mozambique. And they decided to start the restaurants in South Africa because I think it was a bit more lucrative starting a business in South Africa than Mozambique. And uh, they've done really well with it. It's now a global phenomenon. Mm, yeah, definitely. Okay. So um, something else that's associated with built on. Uh, we have quite a lot of customers who come to us and, and buy very, very hot chilies and, and they're making their own. Is that something you do? Uh, biltong. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, basic biltong doesn't actually have any spice. It has a bit of uh, peppercorns, but 
then you get the the really tasty one which is the chili bites so that's what we call it in south africa it's a much thinner cut of meat and uh, there's some very spice uh, quite a lot of spice that goes into it so yeah it is quite popular i have made it actually on my channel before and uh it's uh it's quite a popular video of mine but the, yeah, the spicy biltong, that, that's that's really good stuff. Do you guys sell the biltong itself? We don't, no. no just, the, just the chilies. Just the chilies, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Uh, but it's, it's really nice, and I've noticed it's uh, not in... Um not necessarily the same same quality or, or tastiness, uh, but it's popping up in supermarkets all over the place. Yeah, it's, that's why I make my own, and that's why I try and show people how to make their own. It is quite easy. Uh, there's a few things you need to do, but yeah, when you compare fresh-made, homemade biltong compared to the store-bought, it's a very different thing. Mm. Excellent. Um, so you... Are you doing it full time now? Are you doing the channel? No, not at the moment. Uh, one day maybe. Uh, right now, my my, uh, my my channel is is kind of on the side. Um, it, it takes up a lot of time, as you can imagine. Um, I'm sure, like with your podcast as well, that must t- eat into your time quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, running the YouTube channel, it's it it takes up more and more time. That's pretty much my weekends and evenings uh, taken up. But my day job, I work in, in IT. I work for a software company as a technical director. So you can imagine that's uh, that's quite busy in itself. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so. definitely. And your your love for technology, um, when you look over your stuff, has moved into into the horticultural side of stuff. So what sort of stuff do you do? Absolutely. So my, my greenhouse, for example, the, the entire greenhouse, I like to be able to monitor what's going on in there. Uh, I do travel quite a lot for work. And being able to remotely check on my plants uh, as well as uh, actually water them and put on the fans and that sort of thing Uh, it's something I built a little while ago and I keep developing it and modifying it and enhancing it Uh, but to be honest as much as it is it's great for what I do from practicality standpoint it's also something I I just enjoy doing from a technology standpoint so it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely moved on from when I first started doing this. Uh, the very first video actually that I put up on YouTube, uh, one of the very first, uh, was around gravity-fed drip irrigation. So I was looking around on YouTube for some ideas on how to do gravity-fed drip irrigation, and there wasn't wasn't a lot out there unfortunately. And uh, I decided I'll just figure it out for myself, which I did, automating the watering using a small battery timer and uh, I ended up filming what I'd done just so I can share that out there for anyone else that was searching for it and that's what really started my channel but moving on from that small battery timer to what I have today it's a a whole different story Uh, I run everything off a solar panel and a a 12 volt battery uh, try and keep everything off grid so it's not plugged into the mains I have now three pumps in my (laughs) greenhouse managing my greenhouse watering as well as my polytunnel watering. I have uh, fans running as well. I monitor the, the temperatures, which also dictates uh, what sort of watering schedule I have as well. So there's an element of machine learning going on as well. Right. So it optimizes the, the actual watering schedule because I think that's that's a big part of, of growing chilies. There's obviously there's a lot in similar with most plants in terms of they need water, they need nutrients, but uh, they have their own their own special needs as well. 
Okay. And the chilies you're growing, are they uh, on an ebb and flow system, did I say? I have, yeah, so that's something I got into this year. I just thought I'd give it a try. Obviously, with my, my love of technology, it seemed like the natural next step going into hydroponics. I've been a bit hesitant in the past because I like the idea of it. I love the technology. I love the the concept of being able to, you know, do what originally it was meant for, right? I mean, hydroponics came about or was enhanced based on our space exploration, right? Mm. You're not going to exactly have soil available to you up up out in space so that's why they came up with a lot of the technologies we're seeing today around hydroponics and i and i get that and i, and I love that but when i've tasted hydroponics which most people don't know this but this, the food that you're eating in the supermarket most of that is hydroponically grown it just doesn't have the flavor that i'm used to at home so if you compare a, a sweet bell pepper that you buy from tesco's to one that you've grown at home, you'll never want to have one from Tesco's again. Mm. It's just so much more flavorful. And that was kind of my thinking that that is what I'm going to get if I do hydroponics. But through my research and that, I think it's it's not as simple as that. And that's why I'm giving it a go this year. I want to actually taste uh, the difference. I'm going to be growing, or well, I'm already growing, some plants in my hydroponics ebb and flood system and mm -hmm. i'm growing the exact identical plants in soil as well in my traditional system that i've been doing for a few years now and then at the end of the season we'll be testing them out and seeing uh, which i prefer and if it is the hydroponics that that is tasting as good or better than what i'm getting from soil then next year i might be going all hydroponics mm. It'd be really interesting to see see how how that turns out because my experience uh, is the same as as what you're saying is that um, it it sounds too simplistic and it's not as simplex, simplistic as this but it almost feels like the the sheer amount of water the plants are getting just waters down the flavour. Yeah, and, and that's kind of that's, this, that's where my, my my head goes with this. I know it's not scientific, but that that's my thinking exactly. Is you know it's just it does feel like it's watering down. I know there are methods that you can, uh, you know, you can use that, that will maybe enhance the flavors when, when the plants are ripening. Um, but you know, th that's another thing to think about. I don't have to do all that with my soil plants and I get amazing grows. I get uh, a lot of fruit from my plants and you know, if it's number one is taste, obviously that that's my number one priority here. If the taste isn't right, then obviously I won't be going hydro, but the other one is it's the amount of work and it is a lot of work. I think people simplify it way too much. You know, the, the soil plants, once I've got them in my pots, I've got my drip system in, um, I give it a feed every couple of weeks and we've got amazing plants. If, if you've seen any of my videos uh, towards the end of the season, it's a real jungle inside my greenhouse. Yeah. And I can see that I'm getting better growth on the hydroponics at the moment, but okay. the amount of work is, is, is quite a bit more. And the other thing as well, I was always under the impression that hydroponics would be uh, far more efficient with water use, but that's not the case either. I'm, I'm dumping out almost 100 liters of water, um, well not dumping out, but it, it uses about 20 liters a week out of my oh, 100 wow. liter system. And that's for about six or seven plants, and that, that's just that's just what it uses up in terms of the plant using it up as well as uh, evaporation, that sort of thing. But then you're having to switch out your nutrients and your water every two weeks or three weeks. So I'm, I'm trying to optimize that as well. But dumping that out, you're effectively using 
uh, over 100 liters of water every two weeks or three weeks. And I don't use that much watering my plants. And I have 50 inside my greenhouse. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting times. I, I'm, I'm assessing all of that. Yeah. It might be down to the ebb and flood. Uh, you never know. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, there's, I mean, so many different systems out there. Um, and in our experience, and we get asked this a lot, um, just last week at a flower show, we were asked a lot um, about whether they should grow hydroponically. And to be honest, for me, the general grower who's growing three, four, five, which is probably a, a normal amount of chilies for lots of people, um, I really don't think they benefit much. Uh, chilies in themselves give out so much fruit anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure they benefit that much. So uh, I'm, I'm spoiling some stuff which is coming for next year on my channel, Sorry. but it's no problem <laughs> at all. Um, but essentially, my, my thinking at the moment, what, what I'm thinking right now is that the hydroponics, I will definitely be starting my seeds using hydroponics next year. I think you can make far more efficient use of space. Uh, the potting up is a lot easier. And I think with the way I will set it up, because I already have the lights, I already start my seeds really early in the year. If I'm doing it using hydroponics, I think I think that's a that's a great uh, boost to the beginning of the season, because that's not going to necessarily affect the peppers. Because once I transplant into soil, I'm still going to get all the benefits of the soil. the The fruits will set slower, they will ripen slower, and I'll have lovely tasting uh, fruit. But I think starting seeds definitely hydroponics next year, and uh, I think whether I go on hydroponics fully inside my greenhouse, um, it, it's it's kind of fifty-fifty at the mm. moment. It's it's a lot more work than I want it to be. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, so you've got a lot of um, a lot of chili plants there. How many varieties have you got? Do you know? This year, uh, I've got a total of a hundred plants. Um, and last year it was just under 50 plants so I think I had 48 and in terms of varieties there are I think 70 varieties this year uh, I had a, a contact who's actually been helping me out helping me out with the ebb and flood system as well who gave me the idea of using that rather than some of the other methods um, Fatali I don't know if you know Yoko I Fatali do, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah so he's uh, quite prolific um, chili grower himself mm. and uh, he's given me a lot of hints and tips around the ebb and flood system but he also helped me out with seeds this year so at the beginning of the year we had a bit of a, uh, a competition for people to win some seeds but as part of that I was provided with pretty much one of every type of his seeds that he was selling and uh, yeah that's it's like Christmas coming early really yeah. and yeah I've used uh, a lot of those seeds I've got some seeds of my own I like to grow certain peppers every year that I isolate my seeds for so things like the peri-peri for sure there's a um, African bird's eye or Zimbabwean bird's eye actually that I've been cultivating for the last four or five years I grow that every year uh, try to grow jalapenos every year but this year there's a, a lot of exotics uh, the capsicum bactums I don't traditionally grow those I don't really have much luck with them but that seems to be the the new in thing this year and, and last year as well there's some beautiful peppers you can get from those so i have quite a few of those and of course the super hearts i think probably about 20 percent of my plants are super hearts and there's some new ones there as well that i've never tried before so 
Excellent. Quite a few varieties. Yeah, and I think you're right about the Bactums. Uh, they're becoming more and more popular. Do you overwinter mm. any of your plants? <laughs> I had a, a, a big failure this year. I, like I said before, you know, growing these plants, I, I love doing it. I love, um, you know, doing the technology around it and optimizing everything as much as I can. And a big part of that is not having to uh, spend too much effort actually doing all this. Hmm. So with overwintering, I have overwintered successfully and I, and I did one of my plants this year were successfully overwintered but that was indoors. I didn't want to have to keep my plants indoors so I tried this year with a few of my plants I wanted to overwinter inside my smaller greenhouse. If I had heated the smaller greenhouse I would have been fine but I was trying it without heating and it failed miserably so you know as, as I'm sure you know the the roots of the chili plant, if they get any sort of frost, any sort of uh, freezing, they are going to die. And I think that's what happened with mine. Overwintering is great and all, but you know, at the same time, we, we know how quickly chili plants grow. As long as you can get them started early enough in the season, then you're going to have some massive harvests anyway. And I don't really see too much of a difference between an overwintered plant and a plant from seed. So I have done that in the past. I've done a comparison with jalapenos, actually. And weirdly enough, the second year on my overwintered plant, the jalapenos from that were not as hot as my my jalapenos that I'd grown from start. Okay. So that sort of put me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, where we notice the difference with an overwinter plant is is the early season. Um, mm, and it's absolutely particularly for us um, purely for for showing purposes um, we never ever pick those early fruit off they they go off to rhs shows and things like that um, so it's it's a very specific reason we we like to overwinter but uh, the reason that made me ask the question is the the bacatums uh, they overwinter very successfully okay i'll give that a try uh, i've only ever i've tried with uh, like i said the jalapenos mm. I've also tried a lot with the capsicum chinens, so the super hots, and they were not very successful. Um, my one that was successful was my uh, ring of fire, which is the, the hotter cayenne type pepper. Um, I had that in a small pot on a windowsill, and I've managed to overwinter that successfully, and I do have quite a few fruit on there already. But I, 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 yeah, your idea is, is yeah, it would be great to have <laughs> peppers growing much earlier in the season but mm. for me how do I choose which plants I have a hundred plants I don't know which ones I'd, <laughs> I'd want to overwinter I'd want to do them all and I don't want to be running heaters throughout the winter that can get quite expensive unless yeah. you've got good insulation I guess yeah yeah it, it, it's a very expensive thing to do um, and funnily enough uh, our overwinter plants uh, go in a freezer um, really? that is well backwards um, so we heat a walk-in freezer. Um, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I know. My yeah. mind was boggling there for a I bit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we bought second-hand from uh, Spitalfields uh, Fruit and Veg Market. Uh, guy, and actually, say we bought it. Someone gave it to us. Thinking about it, uh, they gave us this walk-in freezer that the fruit and veg used to guys used to use, um, and uh, we've got grow lights in there, um, and that is where all of our show plants for Chelsea, which we've just done, um, and some of them for Chatsworth and, and Gardeners World and things like that, although we get to a point where we're, where our greenhouse plants are, are catching up, um, come from, and it's it's purely just an insulation um, thing, and we run a very small sort of 12 bar um, heater in there. 
makes a lot of sense. Yeah, actually, my so one of the reasons my my channel really blew up in size uh, since the beginning of last well beginning of last year I had about 300 subscribers and it's blown up massively since then is because of the sauces that I make and particularly the fermented hot sauces and it, what your idea is there with the fridge is pretty much what I do in terms of fermenting so fermenting uh, process takes place at about room temperature it's about 20 degrees Celsius and I've converted a fridge into a, basically a fermenting chamber which i call the ferminator <laughs> and uh, it's it essentially has a small bar heater at the bottom and the fridge is still working as well so i have a i've wired it up so that it kicks in if there's uh, if it goes above 20 degrees the fridge will kick in so in the, in the summertime typically hmm. and when it's in the winter time the bar heater keeps it also within that range so within the range of about half a degree of 20 degrees celsius so the same idea, I guess, as to what you're doing. Mm, yeah, definitely. So fermented sauces, uh, they're not really something I've, I've come across. I know uh, there's a few sort of famous fermented sauces, but with chilies, uh, where does that idea come from? So some of, the, some of the most popular hot sauces in the world are fermented, and some people don't really know that. So I think a lot of people know Tabasco is fermented, and they ferment for about four or five years even at, at times. I think the average is three years. And uh, things like Frank's hot sauce, that's fermented. Shiracha, that's fermented. Yeah. And I think th there's two reasons to, to do that. The first one, the, the biggest one, is safety, right? Um, botulism is, is something you're, you're wanting to avoid. And when you ferment something, the lactobacillus, the natural uh, bacteria that's on uh, fresh plants, it does the fermenting process as, as a few steps you need to do to, to be able to do it. But the lactobacillus will convert the sugars in the ripe peppers into CO2 and lactic acid. And the lactic acid will bring the, the pH down of your source, which the botulinum uh, will not be able to survive in. So you, you could also do this with vinegar, I guess, but there's a lot of people that don't really like vinegar inside the hot sauces, so it gives you some options. And the second reason is it just really, I think, enhances the flavor of the peppers. So a lot of the time, if you're if you're making a hot sauce and and you get this complaint quite often, it's like I'm making a hot sauce and you know I blended it up and I cooked it on the stove and you know it just doesn't taste right. It doesn't have that you know it doesn't taste rounded. I think the fermented, the fermenting process actually rounds off the peppers. It makes it less green tasting, if you know mm. what I mean, less mm. of that vegetable raw taste. Um, it, it, it's really difficult to explain, but it, it, once you've done that, once you've fermented a hot sauce, uh, once you've fermented the peppers to make one, you're unlikely to go to too many other methods. Mm. So. Okay. So how long do you ferment for? So the fermenting process itself, it takes about two days for the lactobacillus to multiply uh, sufficiently so that it starts the process in earnest. And uh, probably another week and a half, two weeks for it to actually do the initial fermentation. So when it'll eat up all the sugars. Uh, and then there's one last step, which probably takes another week or two that it just helps settle everything down and it really adds a little bit more flavor. Anything more than a month is is not really necessary, but you know I, I do have some that I will ferment probably six months, even a year. It really just depends on the source, but you're getting you're getting uh, diminishing returns after about a month, maybe two months. 
Okay. And these sources are for sale? Not yet. I am actually working on that at the moment. Uh, I think people don't realize that you need uh, a few safety certificates and uh, you need to be registered with the council and there's, there's a few other legalities that need to be in place. And I just never really thought about it in the past because I was making it for myself and for my family and friends, but the amount of demand I'm getting now is is pretty mad. And it's about time I think I at least am able to give some away on my channel, but also, yeah, one day I will be able to sell them as well. Excellent. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people waiting for that. So <laughs> have you got, uh, you got peppers, uh, you mentioned a few varieties there. Have you got ones that you particularly set aside for sauces or are grown for sauces? So the the one sauce that one one of my favourite dishes in terms of of hot sauce is chicken wings, and as far as I'm concerned, the best chicken wings hot sauce is a buffalo style. So it's quite vinegary, and it's one that I I made myself using. Um, so the same peppers. I, I don't know if you know Frank's hot sauce. They yeah, do, yeah. they make their hot sauce using um, cayenne peppers and there's a few other ingredients there as well so i make a very similar one to them except i use ring of fire as well which is a very similar flavor profile to cayenne but it's almost twice as hot and then i also add in a couple other extracts as well just to really spice it up and uh, that's probably one of my favorite ones and i think it's the one that i get most demand for mm -hmm. and then of course there are the the, the masochists that want the super hots <laughs> So every year uh, I make at least one or two just stinking hot hot sauces. They still have a decent flavor, but they are very, very hot. And uh, I get a lot of demand for those as well. So this year I'll, I'll be doing the same. I will be uh, growing quite a few KN and I will be making my buffalo style hot sauce, the blazing buffalo hot sauce that I made last year. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's a few other, there's a few others that I'm, I'm I'm working on. I've been uh, trying to trying to perfect. Uh, there will be a sriracha sauce coming up very soon as well. That's been in demand. I'm not sure exactly why, because there are hundreds of recipes online for those. But <laughs> got to have the chili chump version, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and where did the name come from? The uh, chili chump. Yeah. Oh, so when I was growing my uh, my uh, butcherlokia back in 2006, I changed my eBay name. Um, from my own name to something that was relevant to chilies and mm. I like alliteration so I kind of came up with it there no intention of it being a, a YouTube channel or anything like that at the time it was just you know something to be known as on eBay to sell my seeds mm. and it kind of just stuck with me until I started up my my YouTube channel back in about 2016 excellent so, not, not a great story, but that's... <laughs> well, it's a good name, though, to be yeah. fair, because it, it sticks in your mind. And I have to have to be completely honest, uh, uh, you had contact with uh, Olivia, who contacted you yes. too with the podcast and things like that. Um, and the Chili Chump name stuck in my mind. Um, but for whatever reason, your actual name didn't. Uh, so it definitely works. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah it definitely I, works. So, uh, yeah, Chili Chump as well, it's, uh, you know... It, we, we are chumps for eating the, the, the hot chilies that we eat. I mean, it is a silly thing to do, but uh, it's so much fun. And uh, it's, it's kind of where it came from as well. You know, we, we put ourselves purposefully through this, this pain by eating these super hot peppers. But it's 
there's something to it. If you haven't tried it at least once, then uh, I think you're missing out. Because mm. I do get asked that a lot on some of the videos. Uh, I, I made one last year with some ridiculously hot peppers. I called it weapons grade hot sauce. <laughs> and uh, I'd say 50% of the comments are, you know, that, that people are, are feeling the pain while they're watching me try this sauce. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of suggestive sort of psychology going on there because people are saying their eyes start burning. And then the other 50% are saying, why would you make a hot sauce that's too hot to eat? It's like, because you can. <laughs> I think there's lots of things in life that actually uh, you're definitely, definitely worth doing, even though there might not be a good reason for it. <laughs> exactly. Let's face it, these days there is no reason to run 26 miles. Well, uh, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think it's it is always quite interesting. Uh, I talk to lots and lots of people. Um, I you've you've stayed relatively hot in the spectrum by the sounds of it with chilies and things like that. Um, and obviously it suits your taste buds. But it's interesting over the years. Um, and it was uh, for Tali seeds we first bought seeds from uh, online. That's how we started collecting chilies, and we've now got. Uh, about 250, 300 varieties that we oh, wow. we grow, um, but it, they came in the post um, and they they dropped through the post and me and my dad picked through these sort of uh, nasty sounding chilies and sowed them and that's how we got into chilies. We've been growing as a nursery for nearly 70 years now, but chilies for us is only about 10, 15 years we've been doing it, um, and it was them that really started us uh, getting into the more exotic flavours. Um, but it's interesting my taste buds have gone lower and lower over the years and now I, I eat relatively mild chilies well, you know people assume that you know that, that that's all I, I want is just super hot and, and that's not the truth the fact is that unfortunately with the way that YouTube works it's always going to surface the more extreme of anything right whether it's chili tasting whether it's uh, riding a bicycle right you know nobody nobody wants to see someone riding on a nice flat piece of tarmac on their bicycle they want to see them doing backflips off the top of a mountain so the same thing with chilies if you're uh, if i'm showing them how i'm uh, making a nice sweet pepper uh, hot sauce that doesn't have any heat to it nobody's really interested in that um, although i do that as well right you know i i make a, a really nice tomato ketchup that's a bit spicy it's nothing nothing crazy but i like a little bit of a tang to know my, my ketchup and that that probably gets used far more than any of my super hots that i have yeah in fact a lot of my really really hot sauces i still have in my fridge they're still there and you know i, I do a few tasting events uh, with my brother and brother-in-law every now and then and i'm using sauces that are two three years old that i've made because they last a long time mm. yeah but yeah, my, my, my tastes haven't gone up or down necessarily. It's, uh, you know, th there's moments where I just crave a bit of real heat, uh, just get that endorphin rush, uh, like a bit of a challenge. But that's not the majority of the time, most definitely not. No, no. And some questions that we always ask uh, everyone. Uh, when you first get going, started getting into to growing, and uh, for you it was, it was chilies and things like that, was there a particular person or a, a book that really inspired you? Wow, um, not a lot. I'm, I'm big into my research. I, I like to read everything. I like to devour information, and uh, you know that's where I am today. Is because of that, right? There's so many uh, really good authors out there, and uh, some really good scientific papers. I, I can't think 
particularly one in 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 mm. mind. Uh, somebody that's inspired me, um, you know, in the last few years in terms of growing is a guy named Troy Primo, and not not for the reasons maybe that you think. He's he's the guy who came out with the uh, seven part Primo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that right. I do. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know. I've watched quite a quite a few. Oh, I've read quite a bit about him and his methods. So that's quite inspiring. Um, but but early on, I think, to to be honest, it was a lot of trial and error. I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, and as I'm sure most people do when they're starting out, um, and and that's pretty much where it came from. So unfortunately, I don't I don't have a book to recommend. I don't have uh, too many individuals, but. Uh, I think it's a case of we have so much information at our fingertips today that you know it's good to to get a good rounded view on on everything. Don't don't just go to one source uh, yeah, for definitely. your information. Yeah, and I think actually trial and error. Uh, like you say, you made quite a lot of mistakes. Um, people tend to be fairly heartened to hear that uh, my family's been doing this for a very very long time, growing plants, um, and we still make mistakes on a on a regular basis. Um, just because if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not trying to do something new. Exactly, exactly. I, you know, I, a lot of YouTube channels out there, they they hide the bad stuff and they show only the good. You know, I, I failed with my overwintering uh, this year, and you know, I'm more than happy to show that that happened because you know it happens to to everyone. You know, these sort of things can happen and do happen. Um, you know, some of my experiments that I've tried in the past as well, some are successful, some are not. I'm not going to hide the ones that failed. And uh, it's, it is it is a case. Trial and error really goes a long way. And don't try too hard. I think that's that's the big thing with growing. People are... I, because of my YouTube channel, I get a lot of people reaching out. Uh, I did a series called From Seed to Source on my channel. And that takes you from, you know, planting your seed right through to, you know, how to mix your soil, what soil mix I use, what nutrients I use, uh, right through the season up until actually making your first hot sauce from those peppers. And uh, that was thanks to my brother, you gave me the idea. But because of that, I get a lot of people reaching out, asking for help, right? They're the first time starting out their chilies and they're talking about things like, oh, my, my leaf looks like it's got uh, it's got a problem on the edge here. I think I need to add more nitrogen. What do you think? I'm like, why? You've got compost there. It's fine. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll be all right. Just just let it be. You know, don't, don't stress too much. Stop trying to fix everything. I think a lot of people, they, that's the biggest mistake that I think people make when, they, when they're first starting out growing you know, whether it's chilies or any other plants, is don't try and fix problems all the time. Just you know, let the plant do its thing. It wants to grow. Give it enough heat. Don't water it too much. Um, make sure that it's getting enough light, and you should have a lovely, healthy plant by the end of the season. Thanks. Hmm. I think that's really, really good advice. Actually, I think people do tend to, especially early on, they do tend to kill plants with kindness. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the that was my mistake right up front. You know, you think more is more it's not less is more and, and that goes for, for a lot of things in life but especially with plants don't fertilize too much and chili plants especially you know it only needs half the fertilizer mix that maybe tomatoes need and uh, i find a lot of people that are starting with peppers come from a tomato background so mm. they assume it has the same needs but they're a very different family and uh yeah just 
rather don't do anything rather stop watering let the leaves droop a little bit uh, give it a good watering again plain water and let it come back again and you're probably going to be just fine when you start adding more nutrients or you know it, it's just it's too much and the plant is not going to be able to recover if you give it too much yeah definitely they do thrive on a little bit of neglect definitely especially if you want the heat yeah uh, so yeah that, that, that's that's quite a quite an interesting area actually i don't know what, what your thoughts are on 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 getting more heat out of your plants but treat them mean is, yeah. is kind of my way there's a quite a famous um guy on um i can't think of his name but a clip on youtube about a guy shouting at a chili which uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> playing death metal to it yeah all that sort of stuff uh we've done a lot we've funny enough um because we wanted to find out how true it was we've we've done we've done it both ways so we've um we've stressed them uh, let them dry out and we've certainly found that to be the most successful for heating them up but we've also done the opposite we've overwatered them um, and you can take a relatively something like a habanero for example a relatively warm pepper uh, and make it quite mild so you can go the other way as well yeah I find overwatering is is probably the number one biggest mistake that people make, mm. um, and especially when it comes to production of plants. If you overwater, I mean, the way I the way I plant, the way I grow my plants, and the way I think through what I'm doing is just thinking, what would the plant do in the wild, right? And where where do these plants come from? And if you consider they're not getting water every single day, they're not getting saturated, right? Uh, you think about the butcherlokia for example it's i think it's from the nepal region mm -hmm. uh, yeah i think that's around about where it's from but it's it's actually fairly cold temperatures but it's direct sunlight for most of the day it's limiting limited rain and that's kind of how i try and think about you know looking after my plant just don't give it too much water let let the let the leaves tell you when it needs some more water when they start to droop then you know give it some more and with the with the plants if you want to get more peppers from it i find that as well you you shouldn't overwater because if the plant thinks that it's in a nice happy environment where it's getting everything it needs whenever it needs it why does it need to throw out more peppers and more seeds you know it's, it doesn't need to re reproduce but if you start treating it quite mean it wants to make those peppers hotter it wants to make them more abundant i get a lot more seeds from my peppers as well if i uh, do that if i limit the watering and uh, the other thing it does, uh, just, again, this is just my theory, I think it gets hotter because obviously the natural, uh, the, the whole reason for capsaicin in the first place, the, the heat producing element of the pepper is to stop mammals from eating it, right? Hmm. Because mammals are gonna eat those peppers or seeds and you know, drop them off pretty nearby to the plant, whereas the plant wants it to spread. It wants, it wants it to be hotter so that birds will go and pick it up and spread it further away because obviously the growing climate and the, 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 you know, the place where it is actually growing in the first place is maybe not ideal. So, hey, let's make this hotter so that birds will pick it up and uh, take it away. Anyway, that's just a theory. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a sound theory and, um, and birds are pretty much the only, only animal in the world that, that can't really detect the heat. Yeah, they don't detect it. So yeah. my my father has a parrot, and it will eat absolutely any pepper. It loves them because mm. uh, they're actually quite sweet when you take away the the heat producing elements. Mm. Yeah, uh, and in fact, uh, in another line of business, we uh, we sell a bit of parrot food, um, and there's loads of chilies in those. 
the yeah. high-end parrot food that you buy. There's loads and loads of chilies in there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's quite it's got to be an evolutionary thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, that's my my thinking. A lot of what I do is on instinct, and that's mm. kind of how I think it through is those sort of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if people wanted to find out more about you, obviously watch your YouTube channel. Where do they go? So yeah, youtube.com forward slash chili chump. Uh, it'll get me to uh, get you to the YouTube channel, and then uh, I'm on Instagram as well. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, so facebook.com forward slash chili chump, and Instagram as well if you search up chili chump. And there's also quite an active uh, subreddit where there's quite a lot of interaction from folks that are growing their own peppers and making their sauces, and uh, it's a good little community going on there. And that is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash chili chump. So I'm available in a few different places. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been really nice. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, it's been good talking to you. I, I wasn't entirely aware of, of how many varieties you guys had, so I'm definitely going to be putting you on my list for uh, browsing for my next chili, uh, chili grow. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much, Sean. No problem. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.